Hello, all you leadership educators out there, and welcome back to Real Leadership for Real People, the NASPA SLPKC podcast, where we amplify true stories of leadership education. I'm your host, Kathy Guthrie, and I serve as a faculty member in the higher education program at Florida State University. And I'm your co-host, V. Chanu, Assistant Professor of Organizational and Community Leadership at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. On today's episode, we are joined by Ben Cecil and Pei Hu, who will be sharing their thoughts on international student leadership learning in the U.S. context. But first, let's do a quick check-in on what's been on our minds lately. Kathy, has anything in particular been taking up your attention recently? Oh my goodness. You know, I lately I have been thinking a ton about gratitude. And just how I sit and I try to sit every day in gratitude and being thankful, but especially these last few weeks, I have just been on this journey of really thinking through just what and how I'm, I'm grateful and how do I show people and tell people that I love them every day. And because I would never want those people around me to ever walk and not know how much I appreciate them. And so really, you know, I was I was just thinking about that this morning is how do I show people and tell people that I appreciate and love them and that I'm grateful. So yeah, just, I've really been thinking a lot about that and how do we show it and how the things that we do daily are acts of love, whether that is reaching out to someone or I was just at my in-laws house and um, my mother-in-law loves to make certain food because she knows I love it. So there's like a dish that I love. And I was telling my daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, Kinley, about how Nana does this, that's an act of love and how I really am thinking about framing more things that way about like when people do simple things, it's an act of love and that I never want to take those simple things that we might see on the outside as simple, but really thinking deeply about that. Navi, what about you? (laughs) Well, I just wanted to just reflect, like, I think that, you know, those are also what you've just described in the time that I've known you is, is I would say one of your core values. I think that that comes across as you mentor people. I think that that comes across as you advise and supervise. You are one of your most famous sayings is that feedback is love. And as I've become a faculty member, I see, I, I kind of always understood that from the receiving end, but now that I'm in a position to provide more of that, I really see the value in that philosophy because so many of my students will say to me, thank you for the feedback. None of my other professors write anything on my papers. And I think to myself, how could you possibly go through an educational experience without feedback from your peers or from the TAs or from the the, the faculty in charge like that doesn't make any sense to me and I guess that's in part why um, I'm becoming the faculty person um, that I am so I just you know thank you Kathy for role modeling gratitude for those of us that that are learning from you oh Um, no no thank you for that but no it's it is it's such an interesting uh, journey to think about and how I can center more and more on that. And I think, you know, these last 18 months have, mm-hmm. I think, shown all of us to recenter and kind of reignite. But, mm-hmm. you know, it has been interesting as I communicate that to my eight-year-old daughter, what that really means, right? Like, how do you navigate? And how do you, like small acts of love? My mother-in-law definitely did not need to make me my favorite food, but she does every time I go there, right? Like she, and she does, and she does it with such love and care. And so I think about that quite a bit. But anyway, yeah. so what are, so thank you, but what are you? <laughs> What's yeah. on your mind? 
maybe in an opposite direction i'm not i'm not quite sure i've been i've been kind of paying attention to the rhetoric in both the news media and on social media around uh the workforce actually mm. as we were you know are returning to many of our jobs and for people who don't work on an academic cycle as we are returning to our physical offices um i think many of us are going to be surprised at how few people are there or that people have left or changed roles and we you know the summer haze is kind of that information got lost um there's quite, I've noticed a quite a bit of rhetoric in the news media about a labor shortage, how there are all of these positions going unfilled. And on social media, the rhetoric is largely about the wage shortage, that there actually is a robust labor pool waiting to be appropriately employed that are simply not willing or able to work for poverty wages anymore. And it's the employers who are not willing to pay talent or skill uh, what it actually deserves in order to fill those positions. Just last night, I noticed um, there was in the news, Target is now offering to pay college tuition for new employees to recruit them to come to their company. So on the one hand, I think of that, like, that's an amazing thing. Uh, we would, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, we would never be talking about private corporations paying for the cost of public higher education for their employees. On the other hand, some people just need wages. Like if you are somebody who already has a bachelor's degree, if they're not willing to pay for graduate school for you, because that's simply not the, the level of staffing that they're attempting to, uh, to fill, where does that leave you? Like, that's great for new employees, but I need wages. Like I can't pay the bills um, in a lot of different ways. And I empathize with, with both sides of that, of that argument. On the one hand, yes, people who want access to higher education, this is a great avenue in, but if you've already got that degree, um, where, where is the, where's the paycheck? Uh, mm. And so just watching these kind of warring factions of there's a labor shortage, there's a wage shortage, uh, and trying to understand both sides of it really makes me curious about what the workforce is going to look like in the next 12 to 18 months, knowing that the pandemic is not quite resolved and all of this could change um, relatively rapidly. So I'm just kind of thinking about that and my colleagues and you know people who are coming out of a degree program uh, for the first time in, over the summer or last springs you know continuing to try to secure employment and understanding the value of what they do right not willing to work for less than what could be considered a livable wage so these are some of the <laughs> things right. that have been not just thinking about but like they keep me up at night right that make me wonder about my own students and what you know I'm doing to help them yeah oh well thank you for that and it is as we are navigating, especially through these current times, it's like, what is on our minds? And I am so excited, you know, for my own, what's on my mind and this gratitude, I am super thankful that our guest decided to join us and that they said yes to the call that V and I, you know, shouted out to them. Will you come and talk with us? And so I would like to welcome them. The first one is Ben Cecil, who is formerly Assistant Director of International Student Life at the University of Georgia. And he is now transitioning to Graduate Research Associate at the American Council on Education. Thank you, Ben, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So wonderful to, to hear your voice and to be in this space with you. And we are also joined by Pei Hu, who she is a PhD candidate and graduate assistant in the Leadership Learning Research Center and the Higher Education Program at Florida State University. Welcome, Pei. Thank you. Very excited to be here with you all. All right, to, to get us warmed up, we've prepared a few questions to help our audience get to know you each a little bit better. Um, your responses to these questions don't have to be lengthy, but they do help us get a little bit of a sneak peek into your, into your lives and into the way you think. Uh, are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Sure. 
All right. So when you are alone in the car, what is your favorite song to sing? I would pick Set Fire to the Rain by Adele. <laughs> I picked up uh, Katy Perry's Fireworks. I think it's talking about uh, resilience. <laughs> I love it. Ben, you were right on that one, weren't you? <laughs> I, I will say I prepared in advance for that one because that's a question that I would not think well on my feet about. <laughs> Well, I almost said, can you sing us a little bit section of it? <laughs> I would not expose you all to that at all. <laughs> oh, and Pei, I love yours. That that song is, yeah. that is a great song to sing. And I am guilty. I sing in the car. Well, not only alone, but with people. <laughs> so, yes. All right. Next question. If you could only eat one food or meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? For a meal, I would pick something that has pizza and pasta because you get the best of both worlds. Because you said meal, I thought I could sneak in too. I would say fruits. Like fruits come by different types of fruits. So like apple, everything. Like it's my life. I have to eat fruits every day. So I will pick up fruits. That's so good. I like how your answers both nourish the body and nourish the soul. Like I could see like fruits are very healthy and I to totally eat more of that, but pizza and pasta. Yeah. That's, that's my soul right there. So I, I could t totally see those answers. Uh, last icebreaker. Uh, if you can think back who or what first sparked your interest in leadership. Yeah, I guess in a nutshell, I used to work uh, in high school and middle school at a summer camp where I was in charge of a leadership program for young teens. And that's where I was first exposed to leadership, really just from the servant leadership mindset. And so that really sparked my interest um, in what has now developed into my career today. Uh so I literally think about mentioning the Guthrie and V's name, but I can only pick up one. So I go to the Ash report written by Dr. Guthrie and Sarah Higher Education Faculty. So it's kind of my introductory book to, to leadership development. And they talk about how to cultivate leader identity and capacity in students from diverse culture backgrounds. I think that is a thing like a highly, highly uh, have to develop my interest in leadership. And Pei, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit, but can you tell um, us what your, your dissertation topic is? Cause I think that is a very interesting and in how it is informing this, so. <laughs> yes, so my dissertation, it has been shifted a lot, but finally it is focused on the international doctoral students, leadership development, using a socialization lens. I mainly focus on the leadership development of these international doctoral students in education, in education field. They asked me to narrow it down and I found a good lens to narrow it down finally. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you both for sharing that because um, it definitely is. Our leadership learning is a journey and those first people that spark those interests, I continue to talk about gratitude, right? Like I said earlier right. and, and who um, helped me on that journey. So, well, it, now that we can really dig into today's topic uh, for context, the both of you co-authored a chapter in the recently published 
Shifting the Mindset, Socially Just Leadership Education. Can you briefly summarize your chapter for us just to give our listeners a sense of what they can expect from this chapter? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting too for both of us to answer this because I think we both would Mm -hmm. take different things from the chapter. I think for me, I think about how we discuss engagement as it relates Mm -hmm. to the different experiences of international students, but really trying to focus in on how some of these Western-centric approaches that U.S. higher education tends to take toward leadership and student engagement can sometimes be exclusionary. Yeah, I remember most of our conversations we spent during that time while we are putting together this chapter and then from the practical perspective, providing more information on how the practitioners can be more culturally responsive and awareness of the unique needs of the international student leadership development. And I talked more about the literature pieces, the scholarship on the Uh, leadership development, but the international student population has been missing there. So we put the things together from the scholarly and from the practice pieces to put together this chapter. Yeah, thank you both for for answering that question. I do think um, in many regards, uh, there are lots of different things somebody could get Mm -hmm. from your chapter, depending on their lens, depending on their context. Um, Certainly, if there are people who already work with international students, there is a robust set of information recommendations. But for someone who is looking to expand their practice to include uh, international students when they have historically been focusing more perhaps on domestic students, there's a whole new set of ideas and information and, and practical recommendations. Uh, to be found in what you've written. Um, But before we get into some of those practical implements, I was hoping we could take a little bit of a step back um, and I could ask about the, uh, your lived experiences, right? The things that you've done and and seen and and been a part of in your personal lives or in your professional lives and how that has shaped your understanding of leadership and leadership practice. Would you be willing to share with us some of the key experiences that have maybe shaped your understanding of leadership and leadership as it gets practiced? And do you want to go first? You go ahead. I'm going to, I'm actually going to change my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will go first. So I want to be honest. So I, before entering this country, but I will speak with my personal experience, not for all of the Chinese international students to be like clear. So before entering this country, entering to the higher education program and start working with a leadership center, I didn't have a clear understanding of leadership or leader. They are just like two words in my mind. And uh, I think there is a distance between leadership and myself. And right now when I reflect on this, I think uh, at that time, my understanding of leadership was more related to a Greekman theory or with power authority kind of stuff with the leadership understanding. And then after entering to this program, but mainly because of many conversations with me and other scholars in the leadership field, I started to form my leadership understanding more aligned with the transform- transformational leadership process understanding. And this understanding is still involving sometimes when I talk to the people with the, they talk about leadership in business or leadership in the uh, interdisciplinary concepts. So with different contexts, my leadership understanding is always like involving with to fit what is the goal talking about leadership in this specific context or leader uh, or discipline. So it's still changing a lot, shifting a lot, 
But this whole thing, understanding of the leadership needed to my practice with leadership is more consideration, more 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 consideration about my uh, my role uh, and uh, the other participants' goal and the identities, like kind of characteristics. How this whole thing play together to help us uh, achieve the overarching outcomes. I hope that helps us. But it's just helped me develop more considerations about different outside and inside characteristics to the to the leadership goals kind of thing. It's complicated, but Ben, I will leave it to you now. <laughs> well, but I think you bring a really good point here that it is really complicated. And I think so uh -huh. much of that complication at times to me is because we are all socialized to look at leadership from one really specific lens. And mm -hmm. oftentimes that's kind of this cultural, kind of the cultural way in which we look at the world. And I know I feel like I've seen leadership, we've all seen leadership in the last couple of years that has been really effective and also leadership that we might question some of its effectiveness, some of these kind of vacuums or lack of leadership that we've seen in different areas of society. And I think um, a lot of that you know, context, again, it's situated in how we define and understand what leadership is. And so for me, so much of my experience as a practitioner working with international students, it was more of a me having to constantly check myself to remember that the way in which I'm understanding leadership from my very Western-centric approach isn't necessarily something that many of my students are going to connect with. And so then the responsibility becomes on me to kind of shift how I understand leadership and make it a little bit less authoritative, a little bit um, less positional to be something that's a lot more collaborative and inclusive, um, but making sure that um, kind of there's an, a sense of developing that intercultural awareness, intercultural sensitivity and competence that goes along with it, because that to me is such a key component of leadership based on the experiences I've had, you know, working here in the US, working a little bit overseas, it all, it, it gets into, we have to be able to in, kind of be competent in this intercultural realm in order for leadership to be effective. Oh, and I so appreciate that because I think it goes back to that social construction of leadership and how our lens and our experiences. And that's why this question is so important to then understand our own positionality and how our lived experience informs kind of our how we're interacting. But I do think both of you said this, that this topic is so incredibly complex right? That international students often in the Western <laughs> perspective at on, in U.S. campuses are all one group, right? And you're, or how many, we were talking about this at Florida State, how many countries students are coming from, but yet they're all international mm -hmm. students. And you think all the programming will fit all of, <laughs> all of those nations right. and those backgrounds and those cultural, cultural experiences. And so the the complexity is great. And so I appreciate both of you saying that. Well, and that leads to this next question is, um, what, if anything, outside of leadership education informs your thinking and your approach to this work? Because it is the complexity that, what are you looking to outside of leadership education literature that really informs your approach? I would say for me, what kind of is just such a critical foundation 
of my work in what I believe is that we cannot fully understand each other until we understand ourselves. And when we truly understand ourselves and the perspectives that we bring and kind of the cultural lens that we approach the world from, that means that we can better understand others and the world around us. And maybe understand is a bit of a strong term, but it's maybe increasing that awareness of, you know, I am not the locus, I am not the center. Someone else's reality and truth is just as valid as mine. It's just different from how we approach the way in which we look and experience the world. And so that to me is that basis of intercultural awareness. Um, and once we can realize that our own perspectives are not really that point around in which the world revolves, we can better understand and work with each other and be so much more understanding and collaborative and have some of that cross-cultural understanding. I think that's kind of, you know, people talk about like, what is your hill you'll die on? Like, that is my hill I will die on. That is just something I think is so, so fundamentally important um, for all of the work that we do. I love that, Ben. Totally agree with what you said. And I, I will say socialization, as I just earlier mentioned, because the college student leadership development couldn't be separated from the college experience. So understanding their socialization experience will help provide a, like a, an overarching more context to understand their leadership development. It's not, it, it's still about the complexity of their leadership development, but understanding the big picture of their life experience first may provide more approaches to help us access or understand their leadership development needs and goals, I think. Yeah, I think you both raise really excellent points about perspective taking and socialization processes, right? And even though the, the two of you may not have spoken about it in this way, those two things are connected, right? Like our ability to understand yes. our own perspective comes from how we're socialized. But then in order for us to see the world through somebody else's eyes, we have to think through the socialization process that they went through, right? Like as they have learned to know and be and do in the world, which could be fundamentally different from our own, then disentangling who this person is from what they've been taught and trained so that we can come to a common understanding together completely changes the game, right? Like it changes the way we interact with one another. It changes the way we build systems. It changes the way uh, we lead and the way that we follow. So I think that both of your responses have some really practical uh, boots on the ground implications for how we might go about doing some of this work. Um, speaking of which, um, do you have any other thoughts on how your chapter or even the work that you're each doing independently now um, can be practically can pra be practically applied um, to address some of the crises that are happening on our campuses. I think, you know, one of the, so in our chapter, we talk a lot about specific challenges that international students may face in engaging on campus. And we also say this in the chapter that I'm not even quite sure that challenges are, is really the right word here either. I think, you know, from this American-centric lens, we sometimes view things that are against the norm of what we've been trained or taught to be a challenge on someone else. When in reality, it's just a challenge on us that we have to figure out what engagement looks like for students of different cultural backgrounds. 
And so I think, you know, when we say the work challenges, I don't want anyone listening to take away that we're focusing or trying to kind of go really deep into challenges that international students may face. Because in reality, I would argue that international students are some of the most brave and resilient students that we have on campuses right now. Um, you know, again, something that I just think is sometimes a little bit overlooked. Um, I think when we're talking about things that are going on on campuses, we've seen so much happen over the last 18 months, whether that be from the results of the pandemic, we've also seen so much really of a reckoning that's come to come to bear with the pandemic of systemic racism in the US and on campuses as well and what that has looked like. And what I would challenge leadership educators that are listening to think about is that this socially just approach to leadership is something that has been so needed and something that is the right direction, of course, that we're moving in. But so much of that social justice perspective that we include comes really from this American-centric perspective and this kind of American definition of social justice, which is so important and so needed. But that can sometimes assume that there's a kind of... Uh, a level of social capital in understanding that historical context of kind of how we are where we are today that international students may or may not have. And so kind of in this attempt to really make leadership education more socially just and more inclusive, it can sometimes be exclusionary to those that don't necessarily come from a US centric or Western background. And I just think that's something for us all to bear in mind, not necessarily a change of practice, but something that we just have to kind of remember moving forward, that in this attempt to be more inclusive, are we sometimes being a bit exclusionary to students that may also not have those same opportunities or ways to engage on campus? I like the way how Ben uh, framed and explained challenge in you know, just, just talking and in your chapters. So the challenge in your chapter is not only about the experience of international students, but also the challenges faced by the internet by, by the international practitioners or workers where they are working with, with international students, some uncertainties they are facing with, they don't know how to deal with this student population. And when we say challenging, we are not frame the international students as a trouble, as an issue we need to fix, but as a, but as a student population, we should include it in the social justice education and social justice leadership education. So we provided more recommendations for the practitioners and the professionals, how to develop the cultural inclusive understanding of this population first, then we can move forward to the practitioner level. Practitioner level, sorry. Well, and I think too, sometimes there's this kind of almost a fear of working with international students on campuses. If you're not someone that works in the international office or whatever that may be called, partially because it is so broad. You know, we talked a little bit about how when we talk about international students, we're clumping essentially students that could come from 50, 100 plus different countries into kind of one category. I mean, when we talk about students that are out of state, you know, out of state from the West Coast means something very different than out of state from the Northeast. 
and the same exists across all of these other countries as well that are present on our campuses. And so that can become very overwhelming and very daunting, I know, to understand or really to conceptualize. Um, and I think, you know, I hope that our chapter kind of breaks down some of that, that it no longer is a challenge or something that's viewed as um, scary to work with international students and that it's accessible to everyone on campus, regardless of whatever your role may be or the program or service that you provide. Oh, I appreciate that so much. And I think about that intentionality of reflection and, and pausing and thinking about, wow, this is, and it goes back to that complexity we had talked about as well, right? So not only of the perspectives, but the complexity of it. And if we're intentional about thinking and acknowledging and moving forward, instead of just saying, okay, we're going to clump all these people together, right? And that's, we're moving through it. I mean, just, right. especially when educators have this long to-do list that sometimes that happens and it's like, oh, pause, let's, let's pause and, and think about that. So, you know, thank you so much for just bringing up, up these different pieces for us to be reflecting on. So let me ask this, where do you see this work going next? How do you hope that others and you will move these ideas forward? You know, I think one of the things that, um, I'm starting to see that is really exciting to me is that all of these different ideas are starting to connect together and we're not viewing leadership education and socially just leadership education in these different silos that we're starting to see how intercultural competence and cultural awareness is an element of being socially just. That all of these things are starting to not exist in different um, in different spaces, but more coming together and showing how they all overlap, kind of like one big Venn diagram and seeing where these different intersections happen. And I think we've not really been doing that. We've been doing things in kind of so many different little pockets on campuses. And so that to me is incredibly exciting um, because I think that's what moves this work forward. I think for me, this chapter set up a very good foundation for people who are interested in leadership education, international student education, or build up the com compilations of the both. So I think the interest piece for the next steps can be we deconstruct the international student population a little bit to more specific international student subgroups with more various major field into considerate. So that in that case, our scholarship, I think, can contribute to more like specific recommendations for different international student groups or across different major fields. And I think it can be more valuable. Yeah, those are both really, I think, wonderful insights. And um, you are each independently working on your own scholarship. You also have your own work that you are doing to move these ideas forward. So for anyone who is interested in this particular topical area, I would advise them to continue to follow your individual trajectories, because I think you are both incredibly well positioned to keep moving these ideas forward and to inform others who are trying to do exactly the same kinds of things. Um, as we uh, start to wrap up our time together today, I wanted to maybe think a little bit about the future and to have each of you share a little bit about what protects your hope for the future of socially just leadership education. You know, I think, um, 
and I try to, I say this delicately, you know, there's been obviously a lot of, the last 18 months have been incredibly challenging and just horrific in what the world has experienced. And I also think there has been some different kind of uh, externalities maybe that have happened as a result. And I think now uh, campuses are more aware of international students and their needs. Uh, we were kind of forced into that um, in May, or I'm um, sorry, March, April, and May of 2020, when students physically could not leave or could not get to where they wanted to be to kind of write out what was going on. Um, and so I think that's turned into a bit more of an increased focus on the international student experience um, and also created programs that are more accessible, not just for um, international students, but all students as well. I know that, um, you know, for many international students, they may not have come back to the U.S. this past year or might be on a different uh, campus or a branch campus um, somewhere as a part of their um, institutional affiliation. And so having these opportunities that are now more widely available and knowing that we can provide these services for students regardless of location um, and that increased awareness around the international student experience to me, um, if there has been what I would not call a positive, um, but I am glad that that is now more at the forefront than it ever has been. I also do see more emerging scholarships on the socially just leadership education. So it's not just about international student population. Some conversations with my friends, they focus on different student populations or student populations with intersectionalities. So I think this kind of like a very young, like baby research kind of built up my hope Like we are interested in this, we care about it, and we are trying to build up our foundations on this kind of scholarship for the socially just leadership education. So I do see the hopes from the people around me and from the, of course, research, literature, searching kind of things, but more about like it's the hope inside of us. We hope for the good change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and I, those who are willing and able to engage in these conversations give me hope. So thank you both for being here. Um, ben, Pei, thank you for your time, your energy, your stories, and just sharing this space with us because that is part of my hope, right? That we can continue to engage in the conversations and just wrestle with these ideas and how do we move it forward? So thank you again. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Please join us next time on Real Leadership for Real People, where we continue to explore socially just and culturally relevant leadership learning. Until then, leadership educators, keep it real out there. <laughs>